This is Amateur Logic, episode 84 for November 15th, 2015. Windows Pi. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. And by ICOM, helping you enjoy those long holiday trips. Amateur Logic, episode 84. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And Peter's not with us this week. We're shooting a little odd schedule. Yeah, we had a little scheduling uh, conflict. Some A personal, a family event came up after 10, so it's the wee hours of the morning for Peter, so we didn't, uh, Yeah. we give him a reprieve this time. Yeah, although we will have some video from Peter, and and a surprise return guest as well. Yeah, I'm looking not, forward to seeing that. Not Jim. Uh, he's not with us this time around, but it was good to have him back for yeah. the 10th anniversary. Oh, it was. Wasn't you it? know, I haven't even talked to Jim on the radio in a long time. It was great to see him. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked to him since then. Yeah. So, I haven't either. Yeah. So um, He lays kind of low these days. He does. He's busy on that programming project. Yeah. You know, people keep asking about the bloopers. Will we do a show on just bloopers? You know, we might have enough bloopers now to do a whole show. We actually... Uh, truth be known, every show there's probably an alternative show of bloopers at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like we usually shoot at least a couple of hours of video, yeah. one hour for the show, and then the rest of that stuff. Yeah, of course, videos, um, you know, high definition is pretty costly storage wise, mm-hmm. so we don't keep, we, we can't keep all the the B roll, all the raw footage, oh, and yeah. everything. It's way too much. But we keep the better. Uh, Blooper clips, classic and, stuff. Yeah, uh, we, you know, some of them probably just wouldn't be very good out of context from the rest of the show. You wouldn't get the inside joke. That, yeah, you know, we talked about doing that for the tenth uh, because yeah. a lot, so many people have asked about it. But really, if you go back and look at it, you, if you didn't watch the whole other thing, it, it really wouldn't be nearly as yeah. funny. True. Yeah, you, you, they would let you see what we were struggling to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would look like a big. Uh, one big uh, struggle, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not too far off. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll put the spit shine on it afterwards, so I think it comes out okay in the end. Speaking of the, the chat room over there, I see we've got <laughs> some foreigners in there with us. We've got uh, Mike, VE3MIC. Yeah. From up in the Great White North. And we got Arnie yeah, in there. Yeah, Arnie, man. I haven't seen Arnie in a long time. He's back in Sweden. Oh, yeah. So let's go to some emails there. Tommy, you've got one here that's um, kind of interesting. Yeah, and I do. it's it's not what we all would hope, but it's a start it's, in it's the right start. direction. Yeah. So I've got one here from, um, who is this from? From Chip, my friend Chip. He's always hanging around in the, the uh, chat. And actually, I don't see him in there right now after I said that, but he's usually in there. 
Um, anyway, it says, did you guys see this? Apparently, the Heathkit name is once again alive. And congrats on your 10th anniversary. And he gives the URL that you see on the screen right there. Uh, Chip's call is K9MIT, by the way. Yeah, and that's, I guess, maybe that's the only kit they've got right now. It's a, a real nice, high-quality radio kit. Yeah, it looks nice. I actually wouldn't mind putting one of those together. I was looking at it uh, the other day when he sent the, the link. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty nice looking. And they've got something else on there that's, uh, well, I, I guess some people really like this. This is some parts and supplies for some of the old Heath kit kits, and I guess these are things that wear out fairly frequently. Yeah, I saw a nice-looking upgrade uh, display kit uh, display over there for one of them. And, yeah. Yeah. So, so It's uh, a start. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure hopefully uh, if they get supported, you know, uh, people people take to it and start buying, I'm sure they'll start adding other things back. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get back to what it was, but, you know, a lot of those parts aren't even available anymore, mm-hmm. or if they were, you, you couldn't afford to buy them. I mean, yeah. Uh, Old, old components gotten kind of pricey. Right. Some of them still in demand. Well, Peter is not here, as we mentioned a moment ago, but he did send us a little video. Actually, he sent us two videos for this yeah. time around. Yeah, he's busy. You know, the DATV uh, QSO party was a while back now. He had shot this. I don't remember exactly when he he put it together. It was a while back, and we just it's, haven't had a chance uh, to run it. It was actually right there. after he got back from his around-the-world uh, right. trip. He did that uh, almost immediately afterwards.
And that looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I like the one guy near the beginning. I like his idea of ham. And did you see him sitting back Kick in his back. recliner and his wife brought him a cold drink? Yeah. yeah. Now that's hamming right there at his <laughs> finest. Yeah, but he's pushed too far back from the rig. I guess yeah, he was a little far back. I guess he could tell her, though, which button to push or yeah. what frequency <laughs> he wanted to go to next. Uh, you know, that uh, amateur television, and I think that was some mixture there. There was some digital and some analog mm-hmm. both in that. But yeah, it looked like it. That's just a whole other aspect of the hobby. A lot of people who are yeah. into that are really I, big I will, into it. I want to try it. There's just I don't think there's a soul around here doing that. Yeah. But uh, it, it looks like it'd be fun. Yeah. I, I think it would. Um, it will be be a way to, I don't know, I guess we could talk back and forth to each other, but that would be about as far as we could get from where we are. We Probably don't have so. a repeater here yeah. for it. I know so. a guy that's got access to some radio station. That yeah. Maybe maybe could get on the tower. Yeah, maybe. 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 <laughs> well, Tommy, <clears throat> I know you, you shot your segment a while back here, but it's on um, an interesting I, I, little project. Yeah, I actually shot my segment so far back that when you asked me what my segment was on, I had to stop and scratch my head for a minute and think about it. But, yeah, it's uh, it was actually by request by several people. I've had uh, several emails on it. But, yeah, let's just take a look at it. Over the last month or so, I've had three or four different people ask me, how did I set up the RF reboot and shutdown of my DV Mega running on my Raspberry Pi? And the short answer of it is I didn't. I originally was going to do something a little bit different this month for my segment, but because I had so many requests, I think I'm going to go ahead and set it up on my DV Mega and Pi set up here and show you guys how to do it. It's actually pretty easy and it's really handy. I, I typically use the buttons that I showed you on a previous segment, but this is a nice way to do it as well. So let's get started. We're going to have to do a little configuration on the ID51 and some on the repeater software as well. So I use the CS51 software from ICOM. It was free and some of you guys use uh, others but uh, anyway I'm going to do the demo this time using this and you can adapt it for whatever software you use. Just pull the memory card out. It's right here on the side and uh, if you have a cable you can use it as well but I just use the memory card and put it in a card card reader and then I put that in the computer and use it. In an effort to save some time I went ahead and copied those over to the hard drive of my computer. Let's go ahead and make the configuration changes to the repeater software and then we'll know what we need to change on the handy talkie to send the commands. So I'll go ahead and launch VNC and connect to my DV Mega. And you can see it's running, so I'm going to go ahead and kill the software because you can't run the configurator and save changes with the software running because it keeps the file locked. So I'm going to go ahead and kill that, and just for good measure, I'll go ahead and get rid of the gateway too. So we need to run the DSTAR config. I'm using the Western DSTAR image that I originally used when we first set up our DV Mega a long time ago. I've just constantly updated it. I really haven't seen any need to change. Some of you guys are using the Maryland D-Star image and some of you are using 
uh, homebrew ones and different things. So you'll have to adapt this to fit your system, but it should be pretty much the same thing. So you can see I've got my, all my config stuff here, and we'll go ahead and scroll over to the tab for control, control one and control two, and let's enable that. And for RPT1 and RPT2, we're going to need to put some information in there. And that's sort of a way to authenticate that the radio is supposed to be the one that's sending commands to your DV Mega. And so I'll, we'll set that up. I did try this previously and I couldn't get it to work without these being in there. So let's go ahead and set them up. And for RPT1, I'm just going to call it uh, Control just for lack of a better term. For RPT2, I'm just going to put the gateway call sign in. Always eight characters, right? Remember that. So there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and the command is the eighth character. So there's two spaces in between there if you couldn't see it. Now for control, I'm going to do, let's do a reboot first. And this is where we type in the command that we want to enter. So you need to type in your command with prefix with sudo so that you can shut down or reboot or whatever. And for rebooting, we, I use sudo reboot. There's a script on there that'll do the reboot for you. Now, some people use the shutdown command with a dash R, I believe it is. And the other one I'm going to do halt if, in case I just want to shut it down. dash H for halt and now to do it immediately we're going to need to just save that and restart the software so let's save close it and let's run the gateway and the repeater and it's now it's sitting here waiting for the commands. So we're going to have to do some changes to our programming on our radio. I went ahead and took the memory card out, as I mentioned earlier. The files are on my desktop, so let's go ahead and use that. And I'll run the CS51 software. And we'll open up the settings file that I pre previously saved. And we're going to go to digital repeater list. Now I, I took the easy way out and I went ahead and put my DB Mega in my simplex group. So let's create another one. Okay, so we're gonna I want to copy this DB Mega one. And I want to paste it over here. And then I'm gonna change this one and call it uh, CTRL for control. Now this is the one, it's, the exclamation point is showing us we have a duplicate, but we want to put the command that we put in there to authenticate, which was control. And we'll leave the gateway there. Everything else is the same. Let's save. And let's go ahead and copy this over into the radio. So we'll take the file out of here, settings, 
right here and I'll rename this one to two because that's one I was playing around with earlier and this is the one that we just made I always call them TM just for lack of creativity so we'll copy this one over to the radio and then let's reboot the radio load the file and check it out the other neat thing we need to do is to put those commands in the radio so that we can send them to the little fake repeater entry that we just made with the control string in it so what I did for mine was I just put it in the your call there's tons of reflectors in there that I never use so I just took the two at the end and I went ahead and just put them in there so let's do that so we go into our digital again your call let's go down to the bottom so I'm going to make another entry and I'm going to make one called shutdown and the text will be halt and I need one more because you can see up at the top I have no more room for it so I'm just going to delete this one and I have one more down here for reboot and let's save that now we're done working on the radio so let's put that back in and check it out and turn her on now let's load the file that we had menu Go all the way down to the bottom to SD card, second from the bottom, and load settings, and we'll pick the TM file that we made earlier. And always pick all and answer yes. And do we want to load it? Yes. And it takes a minute or two for this to finish. Almost there. And now it says, please reboot the handy talkie. So we'll just power it down. Power it back on. And we're going to need to go back into DV mode. So we'll hold the button down at the bottom until it switches. And I'll make it fill up the whole screen. So I'll, I'll hold down the main until it takes up the whole screen. Now let's go pick a repeater. And we'll go to repeater list, go all the way down to simplex where we did our modifications, if you remember. And now you'll see we have DV Mega RPI for Raspberry Pi and CTRL for control. So let's make sure everything works. I'll put it on Raspberry Pi and let's see if we get a response back. And I see my response back from my DV Mega right here behind me. Now, let's go ahead and do a shutdown. Uh, actually, let's just do a reboot. So I, I changed to Control, CTRL, which is the one that's got the authentication in it. And let's go up to the Your Call, and we'll pick Your Call sign. And we'll go all the way down to the bottom where our commands were.
got quite a few of them in here. And there is Reboot right there. So all we've got to do now is tap the push to talk and it's going to send this Reboot string to the fake repeater we set up with the, with the control authentication stuff put in so the Raspberry Pi will accept it. And let's tap push to talk. And there it goes, it's rebooting. I always kind of liked the hardware buttons, but now that I've had this done on mine for a little while, I've kind of gotten used to using it. It's really nice to be sitting in the recliner with my handy talkie and hit shut down and then walk by here and just flip my DB Mega off if I'm not going to be using it for a while. Hope you enjoyed it. 73. That looked like a good bit of work there. It, it kind of was. <laughs> uh, I see why people have asked about it so many times because it took me a few minutes to figure out how to get it to work. But um, once you get it, it's easy to use after that. So just follow step by step there and it shouldn't be too much trouble if you decide you want to do it. Well, I'm going to be getting a DV Mega, so I guess I'm going to need to go back and review this one. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> That's good. Uh, sure it's, it's handy. Actually, I like the buttons, but it's nice to be able to just flip it off and then walk by and just pull the plug later, flip the power switch on the bottom. Yeah. Pretty nice. Well, I've got an email here that... Um, comes from our friend Elliot, K1MF, and Elliot says, interesting how you and Tommy programmed in Quick Basic. I did also and used QB45, which I think was very good, as, a, as you said, for the DOS days. He wrote some programs for the FAA and for the Air Force through the DOD for a radar project. The FAA program, I was able to... Um, migrate that over to Windows with Visual Basic. Good days. Regards, Elliot, K1MF. You know, we had a friend in the FAA that did a lot of radar stuff that may yeah. have run that program. That's a good chance. Yeah. Oh, Q Quick Basic 4.5. You remember QB Run 45? Yeah, that was a good time? one, man. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, that's actually my first uh, attempt at any real, real programming was getting yeah. that. Yeah, I don't remember what what version we were running when we met. That was it. That was it. That was that was it. That so, was my first version. Huh. So I had it, and then uh, then I got uh, Quick C, which kind of was a little bit of a flop. I, yeah. I wrote a few things with it, and then VB uh, DOS. Yeah, not that, not that too was, many people remember that. Not very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, at the time, worked. it was interesting. Yeah. But at any rate, it was an interesting evolution of the product. Yeah, it was quite different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we wrote some code, you and I did, that initially started out in VB-DOS, and then we ported it over to Windows, mm. and it it went through several versions of Visual Basic. You know, that's still out there running yeah, at still some running. locations. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's pretty amazing. It is, yeah. DOS programs. Yeah. Well, started out as DOS programs. Started out, yeah. Well, um, let's pause now, get a message from Ham College, and come right back and continue on. 
At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. them. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using one. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Um. The night's still young. <laughs> those, those are so fun to shoot. Yeah. They, they are, man. And you know that spark gap transmitter? I could feel it in my feelings. You could. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe if you stood too close. Yeah. You could probably feel the heat coming off of it if you got too close. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned earlier, Peter's not with us tonight. Uh, actually, it's tomorrow morning for him i think mm -hmm. but uh he gave us a little video here on a project that he's been building on that uh, i want to say i've heard of this before but I, I don't believe i've ever really seen one cool hello everyone this month i'm going to build a 40 meter transceiver uh, now you're probably thinking whoa big project not necessarily Recently on an episode of uh, Ham Nation, Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, mentioned an inexpensive 40-meter transceiver kit called the Pixie. And I recently purchased the kit, and I just had it lying around, and I thought that this month I'd have a go at trying to build it. Now, this cost me less than $10 Australian, which is less than $7 US. So let's see what I, I got for my, uh, my $10. Well, I've got a couple of sheets of paper, uh, I've got a list of all the components and where the components are, are laid out on the board. And of course a circuit diagram. Got a circuit board. And I've got all the components that I need, including a number of sockets. And uh, yeah, that's all I really need. However, there are a couple of things that the kit doesn't supply. One that is kind of necessary and the other which is kind of useful. The first is... A 9 volt battery clip. Uh, you can use the uh, power socket supplied with the kit and uh, use a, a power supply for example to supply the 9 volt necessary but you might get some mains hum if you do that whereas if you use a battery clip you can use a little 9 volt battery and that, that solves that problem. The other thing is it doesn't come with a Morse key. Now I don't actually own a Morse key However, I looked through my junk box and I came up with the solution, the 21st century Morse key. It's a mouse, an old mouse. Most of us would probably have a, a mouse lying around somewhere, an old mouse that we don't use anymore. And if you think about it, it's perfect. You've got a little switch, which you can operate with your index finger, and it's spring-loaded, just like a Morse key. So you can do your dits 
in your DARS very, very easily. It's, the only thing you've got to work out is which of the wires coming down here are connected to the, the particular switch. And uh, I'll have a, a little hunt around and see if I can solve that a little bit later. But we've got all the parts, so let's get soldering. I've now soldered in my IC socket and checked for solder bridges. I'm now going to do these capacitors around here. These capacitors can go in any old which way, but these ones are electrolytics, and the negative side has to go on this side here with the, the white stripes. Now I've got one of the electrolytics here, and you'll see a stripe down the side that denotes the negative side of the uh, electrolytic. I'm now going to populate above and below the IC. There's a couple of connectors and uh, other components there, all fairly straightforward. The one little trap for the unwary is the inductor, which is L2. It's a one micro Henry inductor, and for that I actually needed to consult a inductor colour chart. Now the colours, if you look very carefully here, reading from left to right, are brown, black, gold. Now I've got an online colour chart here for inductors, so that's one zero which is 10, and then divide by 10. So 10 divided by 10 is 1. So this is a 1 microhenry inductor, which is exactly what I need for L2. I'm now going to populate across the middle of the board here. There's a couple of things to note. Uh, we've got a variable resistor which goes in here. There are three pins, and you can see quite clearly which way that's going to go. I've got a transistor which is going to go in here. One side is curved, the other side is flat. That's curved, that's flat. So it's pretty self-evident which way uh, that's going to go in. And uh, finally, I've got a diode to go in across here. So uh, let's have a look. We've got the diode symbol here, which is an arrow with a vertical bar. Anode, cathode, and here's the, uh, or here's a diode. And you'll see there's a stripe up one end. Anode, cathode anode cathode so you can see which way it's going to go in well into the home straight now i populated the center here with all the components and now i just got to do the outside i ran into a bit of a problem here where i put c3 in c7's uh, holes and then soldered them but uh, then realized that the mistake i'd made however c3 and c7 take the same type of capacitor so it wasn't a hassle i just left it there and then soldered in the other capacitor in here. So uh, yeah, just got to do around the outside, solder these uh, sockets in place, and we're ready to test. I've now completed populating the board. I've double checked all my components and they appear to be all in the right place, and I've checked for any solder bridges. So I'm reasonably confident that I've done the board the right way. I've plugged in a seven megahertz antenna and an external speaker. So let's see what happens when I apply some 9 volt power. Now as you can hear, uh, there's an AM radio station, in fact a local uh, Chinese AM radio station, which is very, very strong and, and quite nearby, and it's bleeding over into the receive circuit. Uh, given the strength of that, uh, that signal and how local it is, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, so the receive circuit appears to be working okay, but can it receive a signal on 7.023 megahertz? Well, I've set my uh, ICOM rig 
up to transmit on 7.023 with a bit of ready and it uh, should come through as a uh, as a tone so let's see if I can hear a tone in the background when I transmit there I, I heard a, a tone uh, several times when I was transmitting so the receive circuit appears to be working okay but I ran into a problem now here's uh, another mouse that I wired in to the um, uh, to this plug and the reason I used another mouse was that uh, the other mouse was a, uh, a sealed unit. So let's see what happens when I plug in the mouse key. Eek! Now there's a problem there and I'll just put it back on but uh, the problem is I think that's what they call motorboarding. But when I disconnect the mouse, the motorboarding goes away. So it must be something in the mouse here that's causing the problem. Now here's the disassembled mouse and there's the switch. Two of the wires in the cable were soldered in to these two terminals here. However, when I soldered them in place, I didn't disconnect the terminals from the rest of the circuit. So there could be a bit of inductance or resistance or capacitance across those two terminals caused by the rest of the circuit. And that's what might be causing the problem. I'm willing to bet that if I cut that particular trace coming from the white wire, or rather from the terminal that the white wire is actually connected to, that will only leave the black wire connected to the circuit. And so uh, those problems of resistance, capacitance, etc., across those two terminals should go away and the switch should work uh, okay. Anyway, let's try, put it back together and see how it goes. I've now broken the trace and uh, effectively disconnected the rest of the uh, components from uh, the switch. So that's good. Let's turn on our radio again. Okay, and we'll add the mouse in. And no more motorboarding, so that's good. Now all that remains is to check the transmitter circuit and uh, we'll, for that I'm going to have to tune in on my ICOM rig to 7.023 or thereabouts megahertz and uh, then key the transmitter using my mouse. I've now tuned my ICOM IC751 to 7.024 megahertz lower sideband and I've set my transmitter up and we're going to key the transmitter. I'm actually going to key my call sign and we'll see whether uh, it's heard on the radio. Here we go. Well, I would call that a success. What a great kit. All the details will be in the Amatologic uh, Wiki for this episode. So for less than $10, you've got no excuse for not having a go. Now, there is one final concern about this uh, project. Not a major one, but just a curiosity more than anything else. The kit also came with this resistor. Now, I've fully populated that board, so I've got no idea where this resistor goes. Oh, well, it'll just have to go in the junk box. It looks like Peter was having some fun there with that. Yeah, how do you like that key? That was a pretty interesting idea. Yep, that was. I, I, never, really I ne would never really thought about that. I wouldn't have either. And Peter did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. It was a nice job, Peter. Yeah, nice little kit. It seemed like, um, yeah, 
Maybe not a bad starter kit, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's, it didn't look all that involved to put together. Yeah. Well, Tommy, I've, uh, I think it's time that we do a little ad here for one of our sponsors, MFJ. <laughs> MFJ's telescopic fiberglass antenna mast are lightweight yet heavy-duty. They're the perfect solution for quickly raising wire antennas of all types. These extremely portable fiberglass masts will make field day or any temporary setup a breeze. MFJ's lightweight telescopic portable masts come in a variety of heights to suit most needs. You can get them in 20, 25, 28, 33, 34, or 43 feet. The MFJ 1917 lightweight mast weighs only 7.7 pounds and collapses to just 4.79 feet. When the 10 sections are fully extended, it reaches heights of 43 feet, making it perfect for quickly constructing wire verticals or half-wave dipole antennas. At less than 8 pounds, these lightweight fiberglass masts are easy to handle, even when fully extended. To erect the mast, simply pull out each section, beginning with the smallest, then twist it to lock it in place. When it's time to take down the mast, just reverse the process, beginning with the largest extended section, just give it a little twist and collapse it. MFJ's telescopic fiberglass antenna masts are so portable, once all the sections are back in, put the end cap on and throw it in the trunk or on the back seat for transportation. If you want to save time on your next portable or emergency station setup, choose MFJ's telescopic fiberglass antenna mast. Not only are they quick to erect, you won't need trees to install wire antennas. Visit MFJEnterprises.com for more information on the complete line of MFJ telescopic fiberglass antenna mast today. I think it's your turn for an email over there. I just took my safety glasses off, too. <laughs> Actually, speaking of the Huntsville Ham Fest, this is from uh, Jocelyn, KD8VRX. Um, you guys saw I, I uh, interviewed his son, Chris, there. But anyway, he sent us an email. It says, it's very nice to meet you all at this weekend in Huntsville. Obviously, we've had this one for a little over a month now, but actually a couple months. Thank you for letting us be part of the fun. Our whole family enjoyed the Ham Fest. Uh, my wife finally met all those guys on the TV. I included a picture of my son, Chris, K-D-A-Y-V-J. Uh, sorry, Peter, you weren't in the picture. I believe you were taking a nap. <laughs> I think Peter had a little jet lag. Yeah. Um, George, Tommy, you guys can go snipe hunting at the next ham fest. Peter and I, the foreigners, him and Aussie and me at Canuck, will be waiting at the bar for you. Uh, anyways, uh, Snipe Hunting's got its own wiki, and he gave a, a URL for that, uh, Wikipedia uh, slash wiki slash Snipe underscore hunt. Yeah, I remember we were trying to set up a good Snipe Hunt when we yeah, were over Yeah, out in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw those guys coming back from supper, I think, and uh, we were yeah. trying to take them on a Snipe Hunt. Yeah. But, uh, Couldn't yeah, we get had them a great to go. time. It was a really awesome family, man. It was nice to meet those yeah. folks. I tell you, that Chris gets around, man. It, he... He's got that hat on there, so you can pick him out in a oh, crowd oh, pretty yeah. easy. He's been known to hang out with Don Wilbanks a little bit. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But he's okay other than that. Other than uh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a sharp kid, man. Uh, it's it's really neat to see uh, somebody that young and, and that really into the hobby like that. So yeah. I think he'll actually do a lot to spread it to other youngsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's... Um, 
he's got a buddy that shows up at some of the ham fest and those two will be talking to each other as on handy talkies mm-hmm. and running around and doing oh, yeah. stuff yeah yeah it's pretty it's cool pretty cool um you know on the last episode when we were celebrating the 10th anniversary there we were checking out the chat room and we saw an old buddy in there yeah uh emil a cheap old buddy yeah cheap old buddy yeah, yeah i kind of miss old emil i hadn't seen him in a while i hadn't either and uh, we invited him to come be with us today but i believe he's at a band contest yeah something something for his daughter yeah uh, a family event so but uh, that's understandable but yeah. uh, we'll get him on here soon we'll have him on here soon but we do have a little bit of footage he sent us here he he kind of brought us up to date on where some of his projects have been and he got a little something special on the end of this that uh, I really didn't know how to do, but oh, cool. he, he kind of uh, shows us a good use for WWV. Well, I haven't seen this yet, so I'm looking forward to it. As far as the shack goes, still kicking on this side. I do have my uh, emergency go kits ready to go, ready to be powered up, which I used this past uh field day some of my mobile setups in the PC for the shack along with uh, the actual console here that I'm in I know uh, I'm about to upgrade my ICOM with their uh, 9100 to get uh, into the DV side of the world with D-Star and also uh, probably Yesu's 991 to upgrade uh, this guy so Moving up on every uh, facet on this side, um, I still monitor plenty of uh, stuff here. So that's what's going on. And then I got the uh, portables. And their 8 watt version of their portable came out recently. But, and I always got to have that for those special occasions. Jimmy inspired special occasions. But uh, as far as that goes, I'm. Move right along. Some patch panels here from MFJ. And all those wonderful things we always uh, work on. Got the little shotgun and workbench. You name it. That's what's going on in the KE5 QKR side of the world. Hey, George, Tommy, Peter. I don't know if you remember some of those uh, masks that I put together in one of your episodes but here they are still going strong after years of storms and everything else so the PVC uh, homemade masks from basic supplies still going strong FYI and along those same lines my uh, launcher that successfully launched this wire antenna into my uh, Trees about 70 feet up there in the apex is also still going strong. You can kind of see the wire there, but that's the uh, 204 foot, which I used that uh, pump we made in the prior episode uh, to shoot that up there in the trees. That's still going strong as well. So lots of long-lasting stuff here that you can home make yourself. And also my 20 meter loop that we made has been uh, had several enhancements since so we last talk I got an Alpha Delta uh, connector on it some good coax but uh, it is still quite the receiving antenna that's hanging way up in my trees 
as far as uh, loop goes on uh, especially 20 and 10 meters uh, the, the rope that you see hanging down here just swinging is uh, so I can turn it because it is a bit directional in uh, the way it receives so all of those things are still working here I think that was in one of the prior episodes George, Tommy, and Peter from the Cheap Old Man K5QKR. This is a segment I threw together on how to decode the NIST radio station WWVB's time signal using uh, your receiver that can go down to uh, 60 kilohertz and your computer. You all probably have some type of clock that can synchronize itself with the atomic clock signal, radio signals out of Colorado. Uh, have you ever wondered if you could uh, receive it direct instead of using one of these clocks? Well, this will show you how. Well, the NIST radio station has pretty good coverage in most of the United States most of the time, so you should have no problem receiving this. For decoding the signal, I'll be using F6CTE's multi-PSK uh, clock program which is free on the internet. If you've used any PSK type programs for uh, digital uh, signals you'll be pretty familiar already with how this one works. It takes a little bit to get used to the uh, interface. The interface I'll be using is the uh, Signalink USB to connect to my ICOM receiver. As usual the ICOMs have uh, excellent receive capabilities in this case across anything it covers one of the great things about ICOM that I enjoy if they uh, say their radio uh, covers it, it's going to cover it well and this is the actual signal that you're hearing from the WWVB station out of Colorado the antenna I'm using is a uh, 204 foot G5RVM um, that's about, it's in an inverted V configuration and uh, apex is about 70 feet in the trees so no problem hearing this signal here in the southeast the, the entire signal takes a minute to transfer which will show up on this particular program right across these fields here in the order that it's being sent if you notice the waterfall here is synchronized with the uh, signal being sent and the fact that it's receiving it is indicated here and over time you can see it just filled in the hours and the minutes and uh, where it's tracking it and now the day and the month and upon completing the entire minute cycle that it takes this particular program will uh, give you a little beep and you can there are settings in the program that allow you to set your uh, computer's clock to the actual signal but uh, that was it that was a whole cycle right there of uh, synchronizing WWVB or listening to that signal and see 
and decoding it with this software. This software decodes other time signals as well and other uh, signals uh, from the other WWV stations on both AM and S uh, single sidebands with their signals. So it does more than this, but I just wanted to focus this one on the uh, WWVB signal. Oh, Tommy, Peter, and George, cheap old man here, KE5QKR. Well, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, it's nice to see him back on here again, too. Yeah, and his, his PVC pipe is still standing. Yeah. And yeah did, he's got quite the setup there for his uh, for his go kit. Yeah, really nice. And in that um, WWVB thing there, you know, I didn't realize that software was out there you could do that with. Yeah, that's cool. Either. Yeah, it's neat stuff. Uh, and... Well, I just never thought about it. Well, I actually have thought about how would you synchronize using it, but that's as far as I got with it. it was just yeah, it didn't really go any further. <laughs> didn't, yeah, yeah. didn't make it any further. We well, appreciate Emil. Emil yeah. And he did it cheap. He did yeah. do it cheap. I don't... He probably already had that signal link now. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're pretty expensive, though. Yeah. I'm going to see some people getting a lot of use out of those. I, I know... That, I had one for a while. I had a lot of trouble out of mine, but I must have got, just had a bad one. So I know a lot of people swear by them. You don't have it anymore? No. Yeah. It, it was actually uh, just kind of a loner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll look for a meal more in the future here. We'll have him on live with us sometime, too. Yeah, I hope so. That'll be fun. Yeah. I've got another email here. You do? I Just do. so happen to have one? Just so happen to have well, one. Well, I'm glad because I'm fresh out. Well, this one comes from our friend uh, Kenny Johns, WN8Y. And uh, Kenny says, uh, George, good to see you again at the Ham Fest. I had a great time. I hope you did also. Uh, it was good to meet Peter and Tommy as well. well I got a picture of Kenny here. Uh, thank you for taking oh, the I time him. Yeah. Yeah. for this photo. Uh, they really helped make it a more memorable occasion. Huntsville is by far the biggest time event of the year for me. And uh, Kenny is from Jackson, Tennessee. And, you know, Huntsville is one of those very good ham Yeah, memories. it's a good, it's a great one. Uh, the The biggest one is obviously Dayton. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be iffy for me to make that one. So it may be the biggest one for me for the year this coming year. I got a little deal going on at work. A go live that happens to be at the same time, so hmm. I'm have to try to work that out. Yeah. Well, we'll come back in just a moment because, Tommy, I'm going to run Windows 10 on a Raspberry Pi. Say it isn't so. It's it is so. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe uh, not exactly what everybody hoped it would be, but still, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But first, let's get a message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back and look at that. Okay. Over the hills and through the woods to Grandmother's house we go. For those long holiday trips, let your ICOM radio help you enjoy your travels. Take ICOM's IC7100 D-Star radio with you this season. This radio offers an angled control head and touchscreen for easy mobile operation, a large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multiband and all-mode communications. Interested in easy hands-free operation while you hit the road? 
ICOM's analog IC2730A mobile and the digital ID5100A both feature optional Bluetooth capability, a large backlit screen for high-contrast viewing, and 50 watts output power on both VHF and UHF. For entry-level D-Star operation, check out the ID888H. Features include VHF, UHF, dual-band functionality, one band at a time, good menu structure and easy programming, and fast multiple scanning for maximum reception. Looking for a compact, rugged, and user-friendly radio on 2 meters? The IC2300H has a large, bright alphanumeric display with three backlight options, oversized tuning dial for easy operation while on-road, and 65 watts of stable output power. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM's mobile radio selection. It's that time of year almost again. It sure it, is, man. I guess next episode will be the, the Christmas episode. Yeah, this is Thanksgiving. We need a turkey back there. We do, but, it, you know, it's too early in the morning for him this time around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not right. Hey, you threw it out there. That's had, not right. You know, it wouldn't be right if I didn't take it, you know. <laughs> it was a perfect setup. But, uh, no, that, you know, they don't probably even celebrate thanksgiving down there do they well i'm sure they do but, but not now not the same time we do yeah. i doubt it yeah i um, doubt it too mike and them had theirs uh, canada day whatever they call it up there is that the same as thanksgiving i think he, he's in there he'll tell us uh, but yeah. i'm pretty sure they had it maybe a month or so back hmm yeah okay well as promised I did get Windows 10 to run on a Raspberry Pi. All right. Where's the mouse for it? Uh, well, you you actually, I do have a mouse plugged into it. Really? Yep. Well, well let me see. Do. All right. Well, let's just take a look. This is, I'm not going to show you how to do a great project or anything like that because it's pretty involved, but I'm going to show you sort of what it's like and some of the things you can do. And in the future, we're going to. Kind of an introduction. Sort of yeah, an that's introduction. that's good, because actually what I wanted to see, I've got the image, I just haven't burned it yet. You may recognize this screen as the first thing you see when you boot up a Raspberry Pi. But this, you're probably not used to seeing on a Pi. That's because this is Windows IoT Core. Recently, Microsoft introduced this Windows for the Internet of Things. That means you can run Windows on an ARM-based Raspberry Pi 2, and an Intel Atom Minnow Board Max. There's also some support for Arduino boards to access Windows devices through the Windows Remote Arduino and Windows Virtual Shell for Arduino open source libraries. While it does have a GUI stack, it's limited to Microsoft's Universal App Platform, though note that it does include DirectX as well as XAML, Microsoft's presentation language for Universal Apps, and HTML. This means that there's no Windows desktop uh, or a command prompt, but it does support PowerShell remoting, which gets you a remote PowerShell terminal from which you can run familiar Windows commands. Also, IoT Core is not limited to Windows Universal App Platform. Native Windows 32 apps will run, but you won't see any output other than in a remote session. You can create server apps, though. 
Now, this is my first experience with the Windows 10 IoT Core, so I'm sure there's going to be some things that I leave out, and there could be some things I don't get just right. But join me now for my first experience with it. This is what it looks like when it first boots up. We're on the device info screen, and it's just information about it. There's no command prompt and very little that we can do. If we click on Tutorials, we'll see some nice formatted HTML pages with more information about getting started with Windows 10 IoT Core. We've got a clock on the screen here and a few settings here, but there's not many. There's Basic Preferences, which is mainly just choosing a language, and then we've got a screen with network and Wi-Fi information. You can see I'm just connected on Ethernet here, and I don't have a Wi-Fi device plugged into my Raspberry Pi. Under the power button, we can choose either to shut down or restart the Raspberry Pi, and that's it, a very limited user interface. So let's run a program now and watch it do some work. Well, I don't see a way to run a program from this interface. Although Windows 10 IoT Core doesn't have much of a user interface, you can log in from another computer with Windows PowerShell or a web browser, get more information, and issue some commands. Like the home screen here tells you a little bit about the device you're connected to. Apps will let you see a little bit of what you've got installed and allow you to run applications from the browser. They're not displayed here, but this allows you a way to operate them. Processes, similar to Windows Task Manager, let you see what's running. Performance gives you a little look at CPU usage and memory usage. There's a debugging screen. A real-time ETW tracing, which I'm not even sure what that means yet. Performance tracking. There's a device monitor to show you what's available on your device. Bluetooth, if you have any Bluetooth devices connected. Networking allows you to see Wi-Fi and wired connections as well. So let's run an application now. We'll go to Apps, and we'll just run Hello World. Back over to the Raspberry Pi, and this is what we see. Just a simple Hello World program that they supplied as a sample. They did put a Click Me button on it, though, where you can change the message. And I modified it slightly just to give me an End button so I could actually quit the program and get back out to the home screen. Now let's run an application called Blinky. Blinky is fairly self-explanatory. It just flashes an LED every 500 milliseconds. And there's no way to stop Blinky, so what we'll have to do is go to Processes, find Blinky here as one of the running processes, click on the little button out beside it, and tell it we want to terminate the process. There's one more app that I've modified a little bit here I want to run. It's called Push Button. You might be able to guess what this one is, too. It's like it sounds. There's a push button. When you run the program, it initializes the GPIO pins. Then, whenever you press and release the button, it'll be displayed on the screen. And each press and release cycle will either illuminate or extinguish an LED and also do the same thing on an on-screen display. Now, naturally, this is nothing at all like the Raspbian operating system that we usually run on a Raspberry Pi. 
This is just another tool, another operating system that we can use with the Pi. The simple little projects I did here today were just to give you a brief little introduction to it. There's a lot more that can be done, and I'm just beginning to explore it. So we'll look at this further in the future. There you go, Tommy. That's interesting. I see some yeah. possibilities there. Yeah, you know, you can plug a keyboard into it and you plug a mouse into it. There's, um, you know, like you saw there on the home screen, there's not much you can do there. So it's mostly, I guess the power would be in applications that you would write and upload to it. Yeah, well, that's kind of the same way it would be with an Arduino, but yeah. you've got more, it looks like you've got more uh, control to the display instead of you right. know, having to, to use like that uh, Arduino out library that I showed mm -hmm. them, like, I guess, last year whenever. Uh, it was a little bit more difficult, but uh, that looks like it's probably pretty easy to, to write to the display and things. And I'm kind of wondering what support's built in for the API. You know, it, yeah, you and know, so. I think that's still coming together. Everything's not in there yet. Uh, they admit that it's a work in progress, but uh, you can do a lot of stuff with it already, and you can create buttons and text boxes and you know all those type of things. So obviously, yeah, those are all fine and good, but you got to really be able to do something else with that data. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can connect a database with it. You know, log know. data. You know, log, you know, have it sample data and log data and do things like that. But just I, I you got my interest peaked now. Yeah. I'll have to put it online and check it out. I suspect you might could. You know, there's um, well, just a few things I can tell you about it is the way it's set up initially. You have to have a computer with Windows 10 on it to be able to burn your little micro SD card for the oh. operating system for the Pi. Oh, really? Yep. But there's a hack, a workaround for that, and I didn't include the links to any of the resources on here because I figure I'll, I'll go into more detail on this in the future. But there is a hack floating around out there where you can download certain files from Microsoft and put on your, say, Windows 7 or Windows 8 computer, and then you'll be able to do that without having to have Windows 10 on a oh, cool. on a I've got PC. I've got one with ten on it sitting there at the house I can use. So I do too. But uh, that, that's that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. For development, um, right now it's Visual Studio 2015, so you'll have to have that. Yeah, and that's a free download. Now. That is a free download. Uh, the, the community, community edition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And interesting there is um, all these programs and things I was writing and modifying. And all I was doing that for my Windows 7 PC. So that doesn't have to run on Windows 10. Oh, okay. You just need it to create the image, and after that, you're good. Right. And there is a hack you can get around. And that. I suspect if you had a card with an image, you could use something like Win32 Disk Imager and probably burn your own image you and then re-image it on others. Mm -hmm. So you probably can. I didn't. You know, I didn't try any of that. But um, you know, it looks interesting. It'll. It can display HTML, so you you know you can get a good-looking user interface with mm -hmm. that if you you take the time. One thing that, uh, well, it's going to be, I want to show some source code and say, here's how I wrote this little program, but it's Visual Studio, which I'm not prepared to teach somebody to use Visual Studio right now. You'll, yeah. you'll need to learn a little bit about that. Um, to be able yeah. to do it. It's well, if you're interested in it, though, go to uh, worth, yeah. the Microsoft site and download it and play around with it. There are a lot of samples that, that you can get for that. Yeah. 
tons and tons of support for Video Studio. The one thing that uh, I did not like about it, and maybe I'm overlooking something, but, you, you know, in Visual Studio, normally you would have like a window or a form or something, and then you just drag your buttons and controls mm -hmm. onto it and then write code to go to them. There is no graphical user interface like that ah, for, school. for these. Yep. It's, uh, you, you actually have to write it in XML code. Okay. So you have to write the statement to create a button and, you know, all those types of things. Instead of having the designer write it for you. Right. So that's, that's okay. Everybody should know how to do that anyway. Yeah, I suspect that'll probably change, but. Yeah, probably um, so. I would bet that'll probably change pretty fast, really. Yeah. Well, but think about there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. It's um, it, it's it's more like an Arduino or something like that to me than it is uh, a regular. Yeah, know, that's the that's the C pluses because somebody like myself that's lived the last their big part of their life since Visual Studio came out mm -hmm. in it every day. It's really familiar, but then it's in a way it almost defeats a little bit of what I liked about the Pi, which was it was a really awesome little mini computer that mm -hmm. did tons and tons of things. But it's still so but the Pies are cheap, so yeah. thirty five bucks you can afford to have one run raspbian on it and, and another one for that. So. Or just swap your card out. Or swap your card out if you want. Yeah, it's I guess you could think of it and I wouldn't say an Arduino and steroids, maybe a uh, nuclear powered Arduino because <laughs> you know, it's way more powerful um, processor-wise than an Arduino. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, yeah. And you've got uh, video already on it, you know, HDMI and composite output. Uh, you can do audio with it. Uh, it's already got Ethernet built into it. And these are all things that you'd have to add on mm -hmm. parts to an Arduino exactly. to, to get it to do it. It would be interesting to see uh, how much overhead is left after the operating system mm -hmm. is run. What I saw is um, there's a lot. Really? You know, I don't think it was taxed down at all. Okay. Uh, and you can see there was a limited number of processors running there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still early days. They're still uh, working on the API and getting different hardware to work with it. So it's, you know, there, there's a lot more to come on that front. And cool. I'll be looking at it some more in the future. Fun, fun and, stuff. Yeah, it is very fun stuff. Well, Tommy, let's. Um, Christmas is coming up. Yeah. You know, hey. we need to talk about some good Christmas presents. Yeah, I have a great idea. Do some you? amateur logic shirts similar to the ones we're wearing make like, great gifts. Like these right here, and yeah. where could you get those? You can get those at our swag shop at uh, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Yeah, they've got uh, a lot of different, uh, well, got t shirts, got these polo shirts. Sweatshirts, caps, yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of different things on there. Coffee mug? Do we have yeah, coffee I think mug we got coffee there? mugs on there. Jackets. So it's the perfect Christmas gift for that amateur logic fan. Be the best there. looking, best dressed uh, ham at the ham fest. Yep. And the best tasting cup of coffee, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, cool. yeah, if you're interested in some amateur logic uh, swag, show your colors. Go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get some amateur logic swag. You know, all the cool kids are wearing it. Yeah, we're going to be putting some new stuff out there sometime here in the near future, I think. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Yeah, we need to get some ham college stuff on there, mm-hmm. too, don't Absolutely. We? Well, let's see. Anything else we want to talk about before we go? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, of course, we've we've been in the chat room here, and, you know, whenever we're streaming live, come to amateurlogic.tv slash chat. Yeah, you see a great group of guys in there having a lot of fun, more fun than should be allowed by law in some states. Also, a side note yeah. that uh, we actually got, I think you may have mentioned that at the beginning, but we got a permanent streaming URL from YouTube now. So in the event we do have some type of an issue, we don't have that uh, DNS caching problem anymore Shouldn't. to have to worry about. Yeah, knock, knock on wood. We haven't had a problem yet, so we don't. No, we don't know, but fact, it should. But that shouldn't be. I mean, if the URL is the same, the URL is the same. So hopefully that we won't have that. Uh, yeah. In the future. Uh, we also want to mention the Echo Link Net. Don't forget about the social networking. Yeah, we're very social. Uh, come to Facebook.com groups slash AmateurLogic.tv. Yeah, you can also find us on uh, Google Plus. Just search for Amateur Logic. And we're on Twitter, uh, at Amateur Logic, and we're also on there for at Ham College, but most of the posting's done under the Amateur Logic account. And don't forget about the show notes wiki. That's at amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Our friend Dan, N9LVS, always puts the show notes in there oh, yeah. for us. Yeah, much appreciated that, Dan, too. So yeah. A lot of hard work put into that. It is. Well, I guess that's it, Tommy. We might as well get on out of here and... Uh, do whatever it is we're going to do for the rest of the day. Whatever it is. So. Yeah. 73, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for Ham College. All right. 73. So show your colors. Go to amateurlogic.tv. Nope. No. Nope. Go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Okay. So there's your blooper. Even if you're a seasoned ham, a lot of people find them interesting. It's really fun to shoot them and, and get people in the chat room that are trying, mm-hmm. answering the questions at the same time. So you know, I always my, have a blast. Shooting. My favorite is the honey bake town, rather than the seasoned ham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. I was going to try it anyway. How about some corn? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also want to mention the Echo Link Net that's coming up when? September the 21st. Uh, <laughs> that is not right. You're killing me, man. You're killing me, you're killing me Smalls. <laughs>